questions of symbology, what is at stake? It is a big idea, a new world order, where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations to all of our sky watchers interdimensionally, intergalactically, on a spaceship, not on a spaceship, wherever you are listening to us tonight, what up? It is Skywatchers Radio, and we are live on the public streaming network. I am one-fourth, one-fourth, one-third, one-fourth of the Skywatchers team, DCS, a.k.a. Woo-woo, and I am joined by the amazing, who really wanted to interrupt me during the intro. I could just feel it. He really wanted to say something. The yes, other I guy. Did. What's up, hey, other guy? Hey, how are you? Yes, I did want to interrupt because I had something intelligent to say, but I was going to try and make you laugh. And You know, next week, I want to do the opener. Uh, instead of you, I can do it too. So there. Oh, okay. All right. Well, whatever. Then you do. The, you know what? Do you want to produce too, Mister, 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 other guy? Yeah, you want to no, do stuff. No, no, no. Oh, oh, I see. Right, right, right. You just want to do the opening. You don't want to like well, do I'm, anything I'm, else. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm whatever. Sorry. You know, you're just I'm like good. a husband. You're just like one. Um, I'm just good at talking, and you know, you're just good at doing. <laughs> Oh, oh, you know, I, I want to hang up on him. Like, I really just want to G-kick him, like, right now. I just want to hang up and call him back. I will. Uh, no. The other. I would. That would not be a cool thing to do. I, I would know, be funny, that, that, though. That would not be a cool thing. But I was complimenting you that you're so tech-savvy to do this stuff. Oh, aren't you sweet? Well, you know what? I'm going to let you do the intro next week if you think you can okay. do it better, Mr. Smarty Pants. Okay, fine. You can do the intro next week. Go ahead. Okay, whatever. Okay, okay. okay, okay fine. fine. Anyway. Fine. Anyway, we are also joined tonight by the other half of the Skywatchers team. The amazing, like, Danny's awesome, y'all. Y'all don't even realize how awesome Danny is. Danny does so much work for Skywatchers Radio behind the scenes. So everybody needs to stand up and friggin' clap for Danny. Thank you. Thank you for selling your pint of blood. Thank you for selling things on Craigslist. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, Thank that's you, you other guy. Daddy does, I know, right? <laughs> See, he's always you're trying the, to sell stuff. You're the, you're the seller. No, man. no, no, no. Da- I, uh, someone told me that Danny was selling his blood so he could we could have the money to keep the keep the show going. Is that? What you- <laughs> yeah. No. No, the other guy. Your infomercials. Not. Your infomercials are what keeps the show going. That's that's how this works. That's right. So that, people buy right. stuff. That's, that's right. right. I've got stuff. You know, I've got tons of nothing to sell. But I do have a special announcement. It is okay. out there. The posters are out. The Spaceballs movie poster is there. The Schwartz Awakens. 
Oh, oh snap, Suki Suki. And that voice who I'm going to introduce right now is our amazing news correspondent who also helps out Skywatchers behind the scenes. It's a group effort, everybody. The That's amazing right, not- Chris Brown. With who's swag. not the wife beater. You know, who's not you the know. wife beater. Wife hey, beater for that. I haven't touched her today, okay? <laughs> Just give me a second. Okay, right, okay, I'll wait a minute. Chris, I've got to ask, how long has it been since you touched your wife? Mm-mm. Well, Mm-mm. just give me a second. Let me go slap around here. Well, well, we'll uh, 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 recount the start. No, but no, no. no we will. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I know. I know. Oh. This is a family-friendly show. That's right. It was a family-friendly show. <laughs> Not anymore. There's All right. This hour listening to our I show. Know. We have a great guest tonight, everybody. Seth, tell oh, everybody yes. who our guest our tell everybody who our guest is. Our guest is the guy's name I can't pronounce. <laughs> That's why I make, I'm making you do it. <laughs> we okay. His first name is Chris. I know that if I try to pronounce his last name, I'm going to butcher it. So that's why I was like, Seth, go do it. Giordano. Somewhere Angel is just shaking his head sadly. Caratano. Right? I mean, we can do the French version. Christopher Paul Giratano. There we go. There we go. So, Chris is awesome. G-A-R-E-T-A-N-O. Garatano. Garatano. I like it. I love it. It's a beautiful last name. So, Chris Garatano. right now. Some spaghetti. The whole bit. I know. We're now we're hungry. I'm so bad. It's Danny's like shaking his head right now. He's like, oh, my God, what is even going on? Uh, Chris is going to be our guest tonight. He is going to talk about his new documentary. We are super excited to have him back on Skywatch. He's going to join us at 1030. So between then and now, we have a lot to talk about because we've got some cool news. And before we were live, uh, the guys and I were talking about the Flat Earth. Um, so I hope you guys didn't lose your amazing thoughts that you were having about the flat earth because I, so it's this, <laughs> I keep seeing it on my Twitter feed, freaking hashtag flat earth everywhere. And Chris, you made an interesting Let's comment. And other guy, education. I, I tell you. And you know, other guy, you made an interesting comment about it. So I will let you guys repeat those. All I'm saying is that's a lot of effort just to prove i mean a lot of effort has gone into this whole if it is you know not true that the earth is round and if it isn't round i'm going to be really sad like if the flat earthers are right it would almost be like if if the catholics are right about heaven and hell i'm just going to be really sad that's all i got i'd love that. to comment i'd love to comment on the heaven and hell thing yeah. Um, I don't want to think about it because that scares the hell out of me. Well, yeah. it scares the hell out of you. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. No, but seriously, you know what's really, really funny? That in all the religions across the world, there's always been a concept of an afterlife. But mm-hmm. only since after Dante's Inferno and the King James edition of the Bible, which was edited in the Dark Ages, was there a concept of hell. Ooh, so deep. Seriously, think about it. You know, yeah. every every single religion has an afterlife. You can commune with your ancestors and contact mm-hmm. them and all that. But there was never really a concept of hell mm-hmm. till Dante's Inferno. Okay. And I'll tell you what. You guys got to watch the TV show Lucifer. I have – okay. That is an amazing show. Is it? I might check it out. 
I might yeah, check he- out Lucifer. Yeah, Lucifer takes a vacation in downtown Los Angeles. Of course he does, because what else does Lucifer do? Now, here's the question. Is, is, the, is Lucifer really a bad guy? I never thought so. I, uh, I, you know what, I, uh, I like, but I like. He's punishing those who deserve it. So is he really? Well, it depends on kind of your version of Lucifer and what you believe about Lucifer and all that kind of stuff. I feel like we should, Danny. We need a show on this too, Danny. More guests. Write this down. All right. All right, but jumping back to the we need somebody to get on to talk about Lucifer. Yes, jumping back to the flat Earth thing. Go. Jumping to the flat Earth thing. What I threw out there in the conversation is, if the Earth is spinning around the Sun at traveling at uh, sixty-six thousand miles an hour, but the Sun itself is traveling through space at over one point two million miles an hour. Why is it that the constellations never have changed from all recorded history? I want – here's what I really would love to do. I would love to get two people on this show, and it's so hard to do that. But I'd love to get a flat earther and then someone else who you know believes the earth is round, and I just want them to debate. Ooh. I would love to have a show like that because I feel like that's a question that's been asked before, you know, other guy, and someone has answered it. Well, you know? I heard – But I have I no idea what that answer like is. That, uh, just recently, and – it was a really tough debate to listen to because yeah. people really had a, a hard time managing their emotions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that the other guy and I would be a good mediator for that. I think we could manage it. What do you think, other guy? You think we could do it? Um, sure, yeah, if we have some alcohol involved for them to drink. Yeah, I think that would be a fun thing to see them duke it out. Um, we could put up virtual punching bags uh, or vir- Virtual boxing gloves and watch them literally battle. It, it would be. I think it might turn out to be a shout fest, but I think it would be an interesting shout. Fest. Well, you would just. Well, maybe we'd have to. If that was the case, that you just would break them up. You put one on for like the first whatever, and when he gets done, squawking, we're, we're going to be the moderators. Would, like put the other guy on. <laughs> you know well, that's true, but I'd really love to go. You know, point for point. Right. Really, yeah, well, you know, because well, you know, you you know, say something like that, yeah. you know, Seth, your what question, and then he responds. Say, hey, I got a, I got a beef with that. The other person can say so, you know, because if they get talking over each other, it's well, well that that's things why, get that's going, why if so we control sure. the microphones, you know, yeah. we do control the microphones. That's it's right. a good thing that we control the microphones. We control the horizontal. We control. We the control the all the things. Well, we've got a flat Earth theory guest book. Um, yeah, I believe that's this, not this week. Not this okay. Can, can, can I make it like a presidential debate? I want to see a flat earther, an earth rounder, a hollow earth person, and and you know, let's find two other earthly topics to throw in. There. That would be amazing. Uh, oh no no, let's not a fl- do that. Oh, okay, hold on, hold on. Here's a fourth one. The fourth one will be the hollow moon. Let's and, do all of that. And, and let's I re- I'm serious. Yeah, I, I, I'm serious. We, we could do that. Wait a minute. I know. And, and yeah, what, we'd really have to go. Here's the best one. The one that says the moon landing was a hoax. We get all five of them and let them battle it out. And it's but it's going to be a, more than it's going to be more than a two hour event. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be you a know five what? or six hour show though. <laughs> that would have. Yeah, we definitely have to go. But you know what? I used to be a policy debater. So if I set this up like a policy debate round, we could do it. I think we that could one, do it. I now, that now one, the wheels in my head are turning. Yeah, I, I, we could I do think this. We should sell tickets to that one. Ooh, yeah, that would be 
Yeah, we're gonna we're you know what we guys we're gonna talk after the show. We're gonna hook this up. Real feet going there like that. The Hatfield (laughs) and McCoys. But if you get those guys going on fighting, because uh, you know who knows. But uh, hey, it's all there's fighting words. A little Springer action, you bet. Then there's then there's fighting words. That would be amazing. All right. Let's jump into our news since we've got about 15 minutes before we have our awesome guest on. So uh, first, before actually, before we do that, we need to all give a shout-out to Angel. We miss him. We love prayers him. He is, I'm wishes. saying, prayers he is going through wishes. some messed up stuff right now. So whatever you do, you pray, you juju, you meditate, you whatever, uh, definitely send that out to Angel. We miss you. We love you keeping the chair warm for you hopefully we're not embarrassing you too much only a little bit just and, a little uh, bit. just a little bit we have to it's just our job and yeah. we hope things get better for you um amen that's why you brought up absolutely so our two news videos are actually come from the awesome angel who was posting stuff up so let's talk about the and then you've got one too chris brown so i haven't forgotten about you we're gonna do yours too so the first one is really cool um, Danny, you're on the social media tonight. Are you doing that? Are you are you posting links for us? You want me to do it? You doing it? I can do it. Um, I can do it. You can do it. Okay, cool. So let's throw up the first you video. You can sir. do it. You can do it. <laughs> so the first video is really awesome. It is titled "UFO Contact with the ISS in Low Orbit," and basically, it is an awesome live stream, and it's showing the Dark Knight satellite in orbit around Earth. Which is just cool. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are they confirming cool. that it's the Dark Knight? It looks like the Dark Knight. I every picture that I've seen of the Dark Knight after you guys, you know, gave me the four one one on it. That's what it looks like to me. What do you guys think? I'm gonna have to watch it later because of my internet. That's panel. right. You or can't television. see. Yeah, um, Chris, Danny, what do you think about it? Yeah, I guess you know. Believe it or not, I've actually never had had really seen too much of this dark night thing so it's it was kind of a first for me uh, i'm um okay yeah i guess <laughs> we're like we think so yeah we're well, pretty a... sure mm-hmm. i mean that's just i mean if it's not the dark light satellite then what is it i guess begs the question because that's it, is it does it look like a satellite or does it look like a ship it looks like a ship to me, it died. Can it be one of our black projects delivering something to ISS since they've had some failed missions recently? Possibly. Yeah. Uh, I would. I, I think I, we would have to. We would have to entertain that. Although, okay, maybe, maybe not. I really wish you could watch this other guy. Uh, maybe not only because the video is forty-seven minutes long and that thing doesn't move. Yeah. It literally. I mean, it's not. It's not. Oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! There's nobody toward... commenting. No. No. Nothing. Uh, oh well. Yeah. So... There's a lot of. There's a lot of comments. I, well, hang on. I didn't. As you know, what I didn't listen. There's a lot of comments in the YouTube thing, and I'm posting this in the chat for everybody. So you guys. I, can... I'm wondering if anybody tied in. You know what the ISS audio was to the video feed, or that's it. That is an excellent question. Has anybody listened to let's it? See what, let me, let's see what. Um, let's YouTube. listen to it. I know it's all spooky. It just looks cool. It does not look like a satellite to me. I mean, it definitely, and that's that's what Angel said too when he posted up. He said it looks like the Dark Knight, um, and that's what it looks like. Otherwise, it almost looks like it's like a statue floating in the middle of space. Is the, that's well, all I can. It reminds me. That's what it reminds orbit me of. Around the IS, it's syn- it's synchronized uh, to the ISS's speed. I guess. Maybe. I guess. I guess. I don't know. How, how does that work with the flat Earth? <laughs> um, I don't know. Can I buy a vowel? 
I think flat earthers would say they use a curved lens, but um, to take okay. off with. But got you, got you, got you. Although to be fair, from this angle, the Earth could be flat in this video. I mean, it could be, it could be. I'm not seeing the whole big ball. All I'm seeing is, you know, just one part of it, the Dark Knight satellite. So what we think is the Dark Knight satellite. But this video claims UFO. We say Dark Knight. What do you guys think? There's chat. Tell us in the chat room. Tell us on Twitter. Use the hashtag BatSquash or tell us on Facebook. I'm going to put it on our Facebook page right now, too. Mr. Brown, go with your video. Well, my video was the one I posted earlier. Actually, I already got it in Skype there. And, uh, well, I, I, I can resend it again. No, you're not one, it. Yeah. Um, I'll find it. This one is a little interesting because, well, if you first see at the very beginning of it, you see him coming down and the, which to me, it looks like a dropping. At first I thought, well, is it, could it be skydivers? Could it be skydivers out there that had something that were like doing like a big tandem jump thing? at nighttime and had a flare thing coming down that could that be it um but then it just kind of does what kind of in a way with the other one in a way does where it just kind of just stops and then they don't really seem to be moving and going anywhere but is that just the after looking over i i don't know i mean it's very good but is that just maybe the look uh, of when they're pulled out the chute and they kind of start all falling apart, and they're they're, they're breaking really, away. Well, from, they're breaking breaking away from each other. I don't know, but they're awfully weird. close to each other, and the way they're moving back and forth from each other, um, uh, when you get um, you know a minute or so into a minute twenty second, then you're going to see them all kind of start floating around each other and stuff like that, which which uh, is um, Odd. It doesn't 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 seem like it would be uh, any type of, uh, of skydivers or anything. But uh, we put the video links up on our Facebook okay. page, up on Twitter, and up in the chat room. And we're talking about the ancient code one, correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Just making sure. Hang on, guys. I have someone to add to the group call. Uh, You're live with Skywatchers Radio. Uh, yes. Hi. This is uh, Angel the Jackal. <laughs> hey buddy, how you holding? I have to correct you folks on something real quick. Here it we is go. not called the Dark Knight; it is called the Black Knight. Well, I the can call Black it what Knight. I want to call it. Yes. The Dark Knight is Batman. Yes. That's what, what was Batman. That's, it, lo that's... it looks like Batman. Oh, Thank you okay. for the correction. We did. <laughs> you guys messed up bad. I'm in the hospital. <laughs> I'm here listening to the show. It's a great show, and then I'm like. Wait, Batman's looking out for the city. What's going yeah. on? Right. Batman is looking out for the that. earth. It's I did true. Think about that. <laughs> That's a Freudian slip. I'm such a Batman fan. I'm like everything is the Dark Knight. Whatever. It's all the Dark Knight. I hear you. I hear you. It's all. And how, you're... how are you, dear? Go ahead. Uh, uh, holding up. I'm actually uh, right now uh, next to uh, my mother, and uh, she's about uh, sound asleep, and uh, you know, just uh, hanging in there. Uh, we were hoping she was laughing along with us. But, uh... No, she has no idea what the hell you're talking about at all. We'll, next time we'll make sure there are subtitles. Well, exactly. I mean, 35 years in the country, you'd figure she'll learn a little bit of English, but not a word. Not a word. That's okay. Nope. <laughs> it happens. It happens in South Florida. Spanish yeah, is a exactly. very pretty language. English is ugly. Whatever. She doesn't need to learn English. You, you, well, you ain't kidding. 
<laughs> Best wishes to the family, by the way. I hope everything is well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. By the way, I love what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. I just want to call in and correct that uh, the whole uh, Dark Knight fiasco was going on there because uh, it was it was getting to me, man. Just itching. Yeah. <laughs> well, but we're gonna keep the place warm for you. You know, yeah. hopefully, you know, you'll get back here soon. You guys keep doing a good job, man. All right, we're we're we're, we're working on it. Thanks, Bye. sweetie. Take care. Bye. Okay. Really got three of y'all here. Nobody, nobody corrected me. Gosh, guys. Well, I thought three, about I'm not it after you said that. I did. I thought about that. But we no, wanted was, to, but we chose not to. I was going to correct. I want to correct again, though, because on the video, it wasn't that. It wasn't the ancient uh, one that uh, that it was. It was um, not the one that the ancient one. There's a two one. The ancient one was the one that Angel had sent. Right. The, uh, which one? Yeah, okay, is... so I'm looking at my Skype chat, Mr. Brown. Which one are you talking about? What oh. video are we watching? Oh, okay. We'll see. I asked. I, I asked you if you had it. Well, you posted a video. <laughs> I that was the one. There we go. Oh wait, I posted in the wrong thing. Where am I got to go here? So right. many videos, so many videos. But so the videos. earlier video, you well, guys should I'll definitely check out as well. There's, there's That's cool. The video, posted guys, and I'm sorry. There's the video that you can you can see it right there. Post it in the chat. Post it in the all... That's all right. No worries. No worries. So the video that we actually posted up on Facebook, Twitter, and the PSN chat is also interesting. It's from the Ancient Code page, which I haven't visited, yes. which I'm going to have to start visiting more often. Um, and it's really cool. It really, really is cool. It show. I wish you could watch another guy. I want, I want, I want you to like deep. I want you to bat squatch this. This is All really right, bothering hang on, me. Hang on, I, I might sound a little choppy for a little bit. Oh no, no, you're not allowed to sound me. choppy. Jackal's gonna call us back and yell at us if you're if you're choppy. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, All right, hang on. It's hands. running right now. Hang on. Uh oh. Here we go. Here we go. All right. How long does this run? Okay. Uh, it's a, it's a fairly short video, I believe. Okay, across the pyramids, or is that a house? It says oh, a meteor, meteor over California, yeah. Okay, wait a minute, hang on. Something just left it and is flying in a totally different direction. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I don't think it's a meteor if something else is flying in a totally opposite direction. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah, pretty – I mean this is a cool video. This is just really – I keep watching it. I'm just like, I what is that? I think it might be a craft that is bouncing off the atmosphere maybe. Okay. Um, I would think it might be something bouncing off the atmosphere, and uh, that was um, the escape pod. I don't know. But see, now, if it would just broken off, it would have at least partially traveled in the same direction. This thing went went in a totally opposite direction. A totally opposite direction. With a significant amount of inertia. So based on that – It really is like an escape pod, doesn't it? Like spaceship crashing escape pod just like – or it could be one of ours and, you know, one of our suborbitals, you know. Could there, be one of ours. You know, I'm, I'm, I, it could be one of ours. That's but, uh, yeah, uh, that's okay. that's interesting. I mean, the other thing is, is it looks like part of it's pulsing or is that the – yeah, I'm – yeah, I'm just like – okay, hang on one second. I just – hang on. I'm just trying to do a little bit of analysis here. Okay. It's the other guy analysis on Skywatch's okay. radio. Whatever it is that's ejected is coming out from mid the length of the entire thing. But the entire thing was undulating for a bit. So, yeah, I I don't think 
that it's CGI. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that it's – it's definitely unidentified at this point. Okay. We definitely and, have and, a video and, of a UFO, guys. And what I'm finding interesting is is that at about 24 seconds or between 23 and 24 seconds, the little whatever is ejected blips up a little bit. Now, I don't know if that is like the same – You know, I can't tell based on how bright it is, but – um, you know, we, ha- you know, all our airplanes and all our crafts have, uh, bl- blinking markers, mm-hmm. you know, for, um, you know, for left and right and such. So, you know, I'm looking at it eject. Oh, wow. Hang on one second. Hang on one second. Let me just see this. Um, let me just see where it happens. Where in the, uh, timing. Where in the timing hang on. is okay. going on? Okay. I just okay. like watching. I see- yeah. Okay, at minus 25 seconds, you can actually see it being being ejected from actually the front of the stream, not in midway. And then it veers upwards midstream of whatever that is. Yeah, I, I, I got to say it's probably got to be a craft. I, I, I don't know what, but, you know. It's a craft of something. Yeah, I wonder but, where but, it went. I would love to get in touch with whoever took this video and want to know, did you go fi- – I mean because the video cuts off and we don't see where the original streaking ball of whatever it is actually goes. I mean you would think with the hmm. way it's going, it, it had to have crashed, landed. Did it disappear? Where? What happened to it? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. We also can't see what the trajectory was. Did it land in the water? Yeah. Did it, I think it – You know. There's no sound. I'm wondering if it just skipped off the atmosphere. So that would be interesting. Did it just disappear? Did it go back into an interdimensional wormhole? Uh, I did not I see the Stargate, so I don't think so. I, okay, no Stargate. I have a sad. All right. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> All right. Now, what we now we're going back. back. I know we're you right know back to you, sent. Mr. Brown. Yes, I was gonna I'm say, going the to. The that I had sent there, the last one, uh, or the, whatever you could see there, I sent it in the BSN chat. And yep, I did yep. send it through. And that's the one where I was saying of the tandem, it looked at first like maybe it could have been tandem at nighttime skydivers. But when it got to about a minute and 25 seconds is when they kind of all started to kind of stop and float around each other. And it didn't really look like they, but it's a dark shot. Maybe it is, um, guys, uh, you know. Which, which link is this? It's the uh, it's he just put it up and hang on, I'll put it up in in our in the it's in the side chat. It's the John Shannon on Facebook. I'm gonna put it up in our Twitter right right now. See, I've never seen a a skydive at night, so I don't have anything. I mean, this looks really interesting though. It's definitely something falling, but I've never seen a nighttime jump to be able to compare. Yeah, give it the bat squatch. Um, oh yeah, these are foot flares. These look like foot foot flare? flare. Uh, they're flares that are that are strapped to the feet of the um, of skydivers. Oh, that's cool. Hang on, uh, hang on. I'm only a little bit in to the video here, so bear with me. Okay, okay. I'm um, watching. I'm watching it now too. We are. We. This is also up on our Twitter it, feed, and my, I put it up on our was, Facebook see, page. Was, I was right there. That's what I was. Uh, my first, but then it got halfway into it. I was like, well. Maybe okay, not. now it's splitting up into yeah, no, maybe not. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Two, four, six. Um 
I know. We're stopping. Yeah, then it keeps on Uh-oh. then it keeps on splitting up and stopping. Um I'm th- I'm still thinking that based on the brightness level when they were all together. Yeah. Um I I'm thinking parachutists with foot flares. Okay. Uh that's that's where I'm going with that. Okay. That's really cool. It almost makes you want to go skydiving at night now. This is this is a very interesting. I just want to see where they land. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see the flares blinking on and off, but what you find what you can find interesting is is that they're diminishing in brightness, and once they're out, they're out. They don't come back, so yeah. they're not reach. You know, they're not setting off another flare. Is that now? Is does that is that common? When when you know when when skydivers do a skydive at night, do they set off another flare? When their lights out, is it out even while they're still free falling? I once would think. It's out, once it's out, it's out. Okay. It's the same thing like a road flare. Okay. Now, does that commonly happen when you're halfway through a jump that your light goes out, or do you need it? It depends like how much phosphorus is in the tube. I okay. don't have an, uh, You know, that's the best answer that I could give you on that one. Okay. Because I, I don't know what what sky jumping. I would think that if I'm skydiving at night, that I need to be able to see where I'm landing. So that would be the only thing that would be strange to me that their light just goes out. But I don't know. We don't know where the, they're jumping over. Yeah, but it you know, once they're out, once they're out, they're out. Uh, you yeah. know, you see a little bit of a fizzle, but once they're out, they're out. It's the only thing that I could think of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There are you a couple know, comments well, on the page on the right, that say so we're, we're kind of uh, thinking the same thing uh, in regards of what it could be. True. Um, but true, it's, true, true. it's still we don't know. Should it be a Zat Squatcher, or should it be a unknown? Uh, sure. I, I, I'm I'm calling Bat Squatcher. It's okay. a Bat Squatchy UFO, but um, I'm I'm thinking that it's, it's a uh, Bat Squatchy UFO. I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here it, you know someone put in you know training. For, you know, yeah, you know, they did. There were some Army. comments on them. For the U.S. Army, right. All right, so it's 1030. Let's take a quick break, and then we are going to get our guest on. I am super excited to talk to him about his new movie, Christopher Garitano. He's coming up do we, next. Do we pronounce oh. it right? We should have asked Angel if we pronounced it right. I'm pretty sure we pronounced it right. That's why I'm going. I'm going to ask him and then apologize profusely if we didn't pronounce it right. So we love him. We do. We love him. I'm super excited to talk to him. I can't wait. It's Skywatchers Radio on the public streaming network. Don't go anywhere. You'd be crazy too. We'll be right back. Remember, Future Theater can be heard every Monday night at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Bill, that's me and Nancy. Hi, Caramba. Burns, and we are broadcasting live right here on PSN Radio. Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to www.futuretheater.com. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey girl, school zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. 
Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement. Brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Only in the forest can you see this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. And you might just see this. Visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. And we are back. Oh, we're back right here. You would say that as soon as I hit the microphone button and bring us back. We are back on Sky Watchers Radio. We're getting our guest on the line right now. Danny is finding Mr. Chris Garitano for us, so we will have him on here shortly. If you guys haven't already, definitely go and check out his Bigfoot trailer. I'm going to give everybody the link to that right now. Chris, have you have you been able to watch it yet? Heard Mr. Chris Brown. Chris Brown ran away. We yeah, I'm Chris here. Brown. I'm there here. he is. There he is. There he yeah, is. I'm, I'm putting the link up for everybody. We have a Bigfoot trailer. Were you able to watch it for his new documentary? No, I didn't. You didn't? That's okay. Oh, oh, yeah, I haven't had time. I, I, really I know that's all right. Time. No, it's cool. <laughs> I'm putting it up for everybody so everybody can watch it while well, did Danny you get a gets... hold of him. Danny's doing that right now. Okay. Danny is on the case. Danny's on the case on Yay, that one. Yeah, I'm Danny. putting up the links everywhere so people can watch the trailer. I really enjoyed the Montauk Chronicles, his documentary, the first one that he did. Well, probably, I don't know if that was the first documentary he did, but it was the first one of his that I watched. Um, yeah. That I yeah, I watched was, it. I thought I it was good. It as well. I did. I did. You know what? I like the way he did it. I like that it wasn't, you know, yay or nay, but it was, you know, I thought it was a, a good series of interviews you know, with the three gentlemen who said that they'd been underground in the base and, you know, and what they'd seen. And then he went to the actual location and he did some shooting. So I thought it was really well put together. So I want to talk about that a little bit as well, um, as well as Bigfoot. I, uh, I'm very interested. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I don't know enough about Bigfoot. That's why I really want to pick his brain. Do you guys follow the Bigfoot phenomenon at all? No. Like, no. I find it really re- – no, I don't want to say too much if he, answers, if he gets in here, but – find it really stupid and uh, quirky and i think Uh-oh. they got the i think they got the whole idea from the 1976 uh, million dollar man the 1976 million yep, dollar yep, man yep yep steve I, austin I, yep and it all started there even all the way because steve austin fought a bigfoot now they did two episodes on the bigfoot thing it came back and so yeah I do okay. believe that because I wonder what year they say. Wonder what year was the very first that happened? They reported they seen a Bigfoot connected with a UFO. Oh, that was uh-oh. about 1976. Uh-oh. You would say. Uh oh. Okay. Hmm. Well, you know what? I've got. We've Danny's got him. 
So we're gonna take we're gonna take like a two like thirty seconds, guys. I'm gonna play an awesome. I'm gonna play like the Jackals promo for you guys. Okay, we're gonna do a thirty second break. We're gonna get Chris on the line. Then we're gonna come back and we're gonna see what he says about what Chris said about Bigfoot. It's gonna be awesome. Don't go anywhere. We're right so back. So what he said and what he said about what he said. Exactly. That's what I That's said. That's what she said. I'm good with that. Are we good with that? Okay, we'll yeah, be right back. I'm good with that. All right. Okay. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. All systems are functional. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. Is there life on other planets? This is nuclear physicist Stanton Friedman, and now I'm a voice in the Jackal's head. Is the government keeping secrets from us? This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the Jackal's head. Want to find out more? Listen to the Jackal's head. The biggest trick the Jackal ever pulled was to miss the world <laughs> that he doesn't exist. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. I'm back. And we are back on Skywatches Radio on the public streaming network. And we have our very special guest who we were just talking about, who we are excited to talk to, Mr. Chris Garitano. Are we saying your name right? Yes, you are. Fantastic. <laughs> Woohoo! We did it good. <laughs> Chris, welcome to the show. Take a bow, take a bow. She got it right. Thank you. Thank Phonetics you. Thank works. You. <laughs> and I was just so ready to buy a vowel. Uh, yeah, well, you did it good. You did it good earlier. So hopefully he wasn't listening to us butcher, butcher his name in the first 10 minutes of the show. We're just like, to somebody say it right, please? <laughs> so, Chris, we have uh, – we we just gave out the uh, link to your trailer for Bigfoot. So oh, why don't you – yeah, so for you know first-timers who are not familiar with your work, why don't we just open with that? Why don't you tell everybody who you are and kind of what you're working on? Sure. Uh, well, I'm a I'm a movie maker, uh, and I ended up making a film. It took a long time, and it became a, a an obsession, an investigation of my own, and it's called Montauk Chronicles, which I released through my own company last year. And it's really just, um, you know, I think the most because I, I worked on it to make sure of it was the, in terms of anything that was put on the screen, the most uh, in depth you know, comprehensive study of the alleged Montauk experiments that uh, apparently occurred in uh, uh, Montauk, New York, at the Camp Hero Air Force Base between 1971 and 1983. And for a very long time, there were only uh, three or four men that were telling this story. Now there are quite a few people that claim that they were part of it. Uh, but even when I started the, the film in '06. You know, these men were telling me tales, uh, and this is the very first time that I heard anything like this. I mean, you know, this kind of stuff was on the fringes. Now it's extremely popular, and then, 
you know, I mean, like there are just organizations and groups and obviously, uh, you know, radio shows just about every night talking about these things. But uh, Camp Hero at that time, so the men say, was a place of every covert experiment you can think of, mind control experiments, time travel, uh, the kidnapping and torture of runaway kids and, and homeless victims that were brought into these experiments. And they, really there wasn't any evidence and there wasn't any historical log to really look through. You know, I spent a lot of time in the, in the Montauk Library uh, because really that's, that's the best place to go to out there. And I talked to the local historians and I did everything I could to find as much as possible. There really wasn't a shred of evidence. Uh, after many years, nine years, I, I recently found things that might prove something happened out there. So it's a continuing thing. And I'm actually working with a really uh, great production company right now and uh, developing a show kind of based on what I did in the film and my own investigation uh, for that. And um, that's what I spent a good deal of time doing, just making that. I made two versions of the picture. The, the one I settled on, I, I put out last year, and now it's being released officially through uh, distribution companies and uh, different video outfits like Redbox and Netflix and stuff on May 10th. Mm -hmm. But you can actually see it through me. Uh, you can order the DVD or Blu-ray, or you can, you can watch it actually streaming. I'm starting rentals tomorrow because I just wanted to make it available. But... Um, now, you know, I'm moving on to something I really want to – I was actually going to do uh, – before I, I started Montauk, I wanted to make a movie called Monster Chronicles. I had an idea for it, and I was going to make it all about cryptozoological ideas that, of course, have been saturated, you know, heavily since the 70s. But the thing is, I feel like I have a fresh enough approach uh, to the material where you're feeling – like it might be justified and seen uh, in a way like you haven't seen it before, solidified in a way that, that maybe you've, you've seen it for the first time done right. And not, not to offend anybody that's covered these subjects before, I feel like in many ways they've been covered very well, especially in the books. There's some, some fantastic books written about, uh, uh, well, I'm mainly talking about the, uh, Bigfoot and other paranormal mysteries. In regard to the Montauk, stories. There's a few books that were written, I felt, that were were right, but they were very biased, you know, and I, that's why I conducted my own investigation. In the case of uh, the Bigfoot film, I'm really just looking for the greatest stories I could find and then going out and experiencing things myself, and that's what I've been doing since October on this new film. This is fascinating. So, I, I, you know what, I want to, you know, because You've been on the show before, so I want to maybe come back to Montauk a little bit later. Um, but sure, let's sure. let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about Bigfoot. I mean, what? I mean, you, right. I mean, you right? You just said that you had wanted to make a kind of a monster thing, you know, before Montauk. So, and now I guess now now you're making it. So, what kind of inspired that? Well, I needed something a little more grounding because honestly, Montauk was uh, messed with my head. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I bet. You know. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, having this stuff in your head every day, it wasn't entertaining for me anymore. It really was driving me crazy. So I felt like going back to something that I really loved exploring in my childhood was the legend of Bigfoot. Now, I, I, I wasn't aware that there were so many wonderful books written about the subject, like uh, William Munn's book, like Jeff Meldrum's book, John Green. All these guys wrote some amazing uh, books, some of which are independently published and they're wonderful. Uh, so there's so much information and so many great stories. And, you know, they have that, that the, the one that really made me want to make this was if you, 
if you check it out, Theodore Roosevelt wrote a book called uh, The Wilderness Hunter. There's a chapter in The Wilderness Hunter called Cowboy Land. And Roosevelt wrote this from memory, you know, later on in his life. But this is when he was a younger man, and he was out in the frontier uh, with an older frontiersman named Bauman. And uh, so one night he's sitting by the campfire, and Bauman, uh, you know, really – and again, there was no sensationalism. The, the term uh, Bigfoot wasn't coined until 1958. So there were stories of wild men here and there, and of course Native American lore, but it, it wasn't like a thing. And you have to imagine that obviously this guy Bauman was so sincere, he convinced Roosevelt enough to write this in his serious book about frontier life. So uh, really interesting stuff and really spooky story because Bauman, just a long story short, was telling Roosevelt about this tale about him and his partner, and they were out trapping. And so something kept coming into the camp uh, every night. And it again, no such thing as... Bigfoot as we know it, at the time they described it as something very, you know, physically like a, a Sasquatch, very large. They smelled a foul smell. They heard things screaming in the night. This thing was approaching the camp. They, they fired off a shot. The thing ran away. So they, next day, they're out trapping. And I think it maybe was the following day after that, after this thing kept coming to the camp, destroying their lean-to when they were, you know, stepped away to check the trap. So... The following day, Bauman split up with his buddy. They went out and they were checking traps. And uh, Bauman comes back to the camp and found his friend dead with a broken neck and two puncture wounds in his neck. And the guy wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, two puncture wounds in his neck? How big were the puncture wounds? Are we talking like Sasquatch well, vampire or, or Well, you know? I mean, Sasquatch, you know, is determined that it might have fangs enough. I mean, who knows? But that's what was told. And the thing was described as something that was walking. It was bipedal. It was very tall. You know, it was hmm. upright walking. And it was described very much like a Sasquatch. What, was it one? I mean, that's what everyone is suspecting. They believe it was was one. And after all of the things I've read, and I know there's some people out there that, and trust me, I, I, you know, I believe that these things exist, and they're all types. So I think some of them are very frustrated and pissed off and don't like us very much, and some of them might communicate with some people here and there. Uh, but I know there's some people that just, you know, they want to put a flower in Bigfoot's hair and, you know, dance around with them. But I think some of these things are very angry uh, because I would be if I was one of them. And they obviously very elusive and they want to get the hell away from us. And, uh, you know, even if you go look at the uh, the Eighth Canyon story that occurred at Mount St. Helens in the 20s, you know, these guys were shooting at them. And I grew up knowing that story from In Search Of. And so these guys shot at them earlier in the day, I think killed one, and their brothers or family came back that night and started attacking their uh, their cabin where they were sleeping. So it's like, I think they, there are retaliations. I think these things do get angry. And I'm not particularly making a horror film, but a lot of these stories are, are quite spooky, and I do want to cover those as well as cover the science and the ideas because I can't, and I was actually having a little bit of a conversation with uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, who I respect immensely uh, through email today. And he's very, and, and rightfully so, very apprehensive about getting involved in some of these things because he doesn't want it to come off as, you know, a horror film or too schlocky. And, and rightfully so, he's an anthropologist. But I just feel, and this is what I explained to him as well, was that I feel like if we disregard all of the stories, 
and the mystery and the legend, because really that's what we have at the moment. I mean, we do have a lot of great scientific uh, uh, evidence and prints and hair samples and stuff, but we can't disregard the you know hundreds of years or even thousands maybe of, of stories that have been told, and I'm very interested in that, so I want to incorporate that into the picture as well, very much so. And of course, when it's translated to screen, it's going to come off as spooky. It, it has to, because people are scared of these things. I would be. I would be. Now, you've yeah. – so not too familiar with Bigfoot. I mean, you know, like everybody, you've, you've heard the legends and the tales. Now, question maybe a newbie question here. Is there a difference between, you know, what we're calling Bigfoot and then what we're referring to as, as Sasquatch? No. I, I okay. they're, they're very much the same, and I think they're different types. From what I've been researching, because my heaviest research has been in recent months, you know, I mean, I've, I've known just probably just about what you knew about it. I mean, I watched every program I could get my – my eyes on before that because I was just interested in it. But these wonderful books I didn't discover until, uh, you know, last year, early, later in the year. So, um, uh, no, they're the same thing. They're different. I think, you know, they describe sometimes different shapes and sizes and colors. Uh, but I think it's a lot like people. I think there are a lot of different, you know, breeds of the same species, so to speak. I mean, there's even reports down in Florida of this, thing called the skunk ape, which I also want to cover, too, because it has a completely different vibe. Is that the orang pendex? No, well, that that's located somewhere else. It's in a different country, right? Oh, okay. And I think oh, that's a different size, too. Yeah, those are pygmies, I believe, right? The orang I have, pendex. No, I, I, I don't know anymore. I just, <laughs> There's too many. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been devouring all this information lately just because, I mean, it's, you know, it's important for me to know... Uh, but you know, I, there's so many great cases. I mean, you know, so many, so many incredible stories that I just feel like um, to kind of disregard all that stuff would be wrong to do if you're interested in making it. I want to make the definitive film on the subject matter, and of course, I want to cover everything. I think ultimately, like towards the end of the picture, I'll be leading into uh, opening your mind to the fact that this thing does exist. It was only a few years ago that we were discounting the existence of the giant squid, you know, and then they found one. So it's like, right. I think that's it's normally a the way it happens. Yeah, for sure. So um, let, let's talk a little bit. I mean, I definitely want to get into some of your spooky stories, but, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, the scientific evidence for Bigfoot. You know, what, you know, what, what, what is, what is, what has come about now that, you know, that is making this, you know, Bigfoot sash, Sasquatch that should be taken a little bit more seriously. Well, there was a heavy analysis of, of course, the famous Patterson film, and they're using something called the IM index, the intermembral index, uh, based on limb proportions. So they're doing it on measurements, and a lot of people, you know, uh, including like people like William Munns and um, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, really believe that that is not a man in a suit, contrary to what this uh, gentleman, Bob Hieronymus, said he was the guy. I mean... Uh, I don't think he was either. I think what you're looking at in that famous film is a Sasquatch for many different reasons that have been cross-checked. And, you know, there's, obviously there's a lot of naysayers and everything. But outside of that, um, there is the dermal ridges on a lot of the prints, which is those, you know, the little lines and crosses in the skin and, you know, uh, on the feet and on the hands. So they've been finding a lot of those in prints. And then a lot of eyewitness uh Accounts, you know, credible people have seen these things. You know, people who normally wouldn't come up with these stories. Yeah, there are a lot of people that are 
probably making some stuff up and hoaxing, but these things have been seen for, you know, millennia even, but centuries all over the world. Uh, so that's a good reason, I think, to believe that they exist. They're, probably, they're, they're extremely elusive. They have the vantage point. You know, they're always, I, I think they're always aware when someone is coming. They probably have some kind of signal system. They're consciously avoiding us, you know. And I don't mm-hmm. think people who are on these expeditions, especially the popular ones that you see, are doing it right. They, you know, they're out there banging pots and pans and making themselves known. And, you know, these things aren't going to come running to you. So I think <laughs> that they know how to hide well, just like other species that we know exist. You know, they can be 15 feet from you and you don't even know it. Um, so I think they know how to hide very well, but not too well because a lot of people have seen them. Right. Uh, and they're not, you know, I don't think they're on the verge of extinction, but they're, they're, they're probably not in abundance, you know. So. Uh, now, it's really interesting to me to hear you talk about more than one. Because like I said, I don't follow Bigfoot too closely, but, you know, you've got this almost this, you know, this fantasy idea in your head of who he is or it, who it is. And it's just this one big, almost Chewbacca looking thing that runs around in the woods and scares people. And that's it. It's just this one thing. Um, but the way you, yeah. you know, you know, that's kind of like what folklore is, right? But now you're telling, you know, you're talking about how there's, there's almost, it sounds like there's a, a pack of these things out there. Sure. Well, think of them as like, you know, different species of primate or mountain gorilla. You know, I mean, uh, what was it? Diane Fossey was tracking the mountain gorilla for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks out in the jungle, and finally she found some. So it was like, again, I think. If, if they were tracked down the right way, if people were really conscious of looking for them, you could find them. They're, I mean, you know, they're in remote regions. And, yes, you know, most people are under the assumption that Bigfoot is this one creature that's out there. And, you know, it's a, if you do the research, you realize it's not the case. And they've been – there's a really good uh, collection of uh, cases called uh, the Bigfoot Casebook by Janet and Colin Board. There's – um, sightings and encounters from 1818 to 2004 at the time. That was the latest version of the book. But, you know, people have seen these things all over the world. And they have names for them all over the world. So it's kind of like, you know, it's enough to get you to at least consider. And personally, I feel, why is it so far-fetched to believe, let's say just in North America alone, that there is a bipedal, you know, or at least of some kind of primate that's out there in remote regions. I mean, it's in other places in the world. It's just we, we, we're kind of programmed to not believe in anything until someone declares it or comes up with a, a, a proper specimen, and in most cases, rightfully so. But I think there's some really great people that, uh, that have discovered enough evidence for you at least to consider it outside right. of the mythical realm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, where did you go to make to make your documentary? Um, to make to make your it's called Bigfoot. Yes, yeah, it's called Bigfoot. So, where, where where did you travel to to make Bigfoot? Well, so far, I have been to Northern Michigan, uh, in Mayo, Michigan, with a man named Joe Stewart, who you see in the trailer, uh, mm-hmm. in a place called Foley Swamp, which is one of the hot spots in the United States where people have seen these things. Another place was out in Ogden, Utah the mountains, and that was with uh, Kelly Shaw and the Rocky Mountain Sasquatch Organization. And so far, those are the people I've spent time with. I've been wrangling a lot of other people, but a good deal of this film, and again, this is 
this is the choice I'm trying to make because, and, I, and I'm choosing to make because I feel like there, there are other documentaries that have covered a good deal of the scientific evidence, the limited evidence that we do have. And that's going to be in this film too. But I don't want to spend the entire film on it and just repeat what someone else already did. So what I want to offer is something that you don't have, which is a really great piece of cinema that covers the entire history uh, worth listening to of this legend, and then kind of in the third act bringing you into um, the idea of considering this thing as a real thing, like a, another species of, of primate or gorilla or, or something out there. So it would, uh, if you will, like it would start with one five, it would go through these campfire story ideas, but then by the, the final act, I want to try and open your mind a little bit to the possibility that this is a, a living creature, that it's out there, and that maybe we can see it in a different way, in a different perspective. Um, and that's what I want to go Very for. interesting. Yeah. I like that approach. I really do like that approach a little bit more than, yeah. I guess, running around in the woods and banging your pots and pans in hopes that it comes out so you can shoot it and drag yeah, it back they're... and show all your friends. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, Chris, you know, I'm in, I'm, I'm in Oregon here, and I was going to ask you, were you going to come on over this way? Doing any interviews for anybody around here? I mean, you know, there's so many big Actually, I was things planning like, yeah. to. Uh, Oregon, right. Idaho, I'd like to go to all those places. We'd go down to Florida. Okay. Um, that's all coming up in the next few months. All right. Well, I, you know, I have I have a friend here that, that goes Bigfoot hunting not far from me all the time. So he's always up in the woods and... Um, He's real big into it. Yeah, I just was curious on that. I'm happy to speak to him. Yeah. Well, he'd be real happy to speak to you. So. Well, have him contact me. Um, you know, again, you know, it's it's kind of open territory, some of the sure. film. I know some things I certainly want to do, but I like to keep certain things organic because you never know who you're going to run into. Even with Montauk, I felt like I, later on, I ran into some situations where if I just I shut the door on them, I wouldn't have had those in the film, and, and I probably would have regretted it, but. Uh, in this case, I like to keep the door open as I go. I like to cover the things that you know I'm adamant about covering. But sure, you know anybody that you know that wants to talk to me, send me an email. You know like, that's how yeah. I got hooked up with Joe Stewart and the other gentlemen. Uh, so I'm happy to keep moving forward that way. I will. I got you on Facebook too. You might actually probably already might have him on Facebook. I won't say his name, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll straight. I'll check that out, and for sure. Okay. Thank you so much. No problem. So let me ask you, Chris, you know, before we kind of get into to the folklore and the stories that you've gotten from, you know, the many people that you've talked to. What about you? Did you have uh, any uh, interesting experiences, evidence that you came across, you know, spooky stuff happened to you while you were out there filming this so far? Yeah, actually, yes. I'm I'm, I'm happy that, you know, I went with Joe Stewart. Uh, it was in the middle of the night out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, we went out to the place that he refers to and these other guys refer to as the field of screams where they feel they, they hear things out there. He claims he's had closer interaction with them. And I always keep an open mind. I'm very respectful. He's, he's, a, he's a really good guy. Uh, you know, there's no reason to, you know, for me to think that he's just making all of this stuff up. So I went out there with him and um, we went out to that field. And at first I heard you know, this, this screaming that I'm not used to, you know, uh, but it was actually a pack of coyotes leaving the den, and it was an amazing thing to listen to. But when we were heading back in the other direction, uh, 
we were hearing things. Now, he had this uh, this instrument called a didgeridoo that he said he plays sometimes to maybe get a reaction in the distance. It was just a horn. It makes uh, you may you may know what it is, but he, you know you blow air into I it. I know exactly what it is. Okay, so he would blow that thing once or twice and then just wait. Now there's absolute silence in the middle of the night out there in Foley Swamp. You know, it's in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody else out there, by the way, but us. And we heard uh, what sounded like an owl, but it didn't sound exactly like an owl. And I've heard owls growing up. I grew up near the woods. Um, it sounded like someone imitating one. And we both immediately, like instinctively, looked at each other like, wait a second. <laughs> you know. Now, I can't say what it was, and I can't say 100% it wasn't an owl, but it was an interesting experience because it only happened a couple of times, and we were hearing kind of, twigs break in the distance like as something was approaching and he felt that this was you know uh, close to what his encounter was in the previous years where he had done the same thing and these things approached his camp so you know if you if you want to visit that area in Mayo Michigan or near Mayo Michigan Foley Swamp go out there and see what you can find I think that's the thing I think a lot of people just never really head out there in the middle you know and spend time if I had weeks to spend out there in, in Foley Swamp, maybe I would have seen something, you know. I right. think for the most part, these expeditions are very short. And even, you know, I grew up around hunters. You know, my brother is a hunter. There are times he was out for days and days and days. He wouldn't find a deer, you know. I lived in an area where there were deer. Yeah. And for 30 years, I didn't see one. And just before I moved out of there, I saw one on the front lawn. So <laughs> they're there. They were always there. But they're elusive, so it's like, um, and I think people come up with these declarations because they haven't seen something that doesn't exist, but I, I think these things are out there. That's really interesting. That's so interesting. Now, you weren't nervous about doing this at all? I mean, because, you know, obviously you're saying you make this this movie and it's going to be a little bit spooky, but, you know, it's almost like you're, you know, you were, were hunting this thing. And I, I use hunting loosely, not really hunting, but you're going to try and find it or try to find evidence of it. Not worried that you might cross an imaginary border, you know, they, are they, any signs that there may be territorial at all, um, you know, something like that or aggressive or anything like that. Yeah, well, no, if they I, throw I things at you, I would assume they're aggressive. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm definitely I, – I was when I was out there, it didn't really fully occur to me or affect me until I was out there. But I have to say that, you know, there are, number one, there are other animals out there. I mean, I, I was in Yosemite uh, once, and a bear came out of nowhere. So, I, I, you know, there are – Oh, yeah, are, I've been to Yosemite. Yeah. I mean, they, they mm -hmm. come close to yep. you. Oh yeah, they so, they actually say don't you don't feed them because they will they'll come right up to you. You can take the food out of your hand almost. Sure, sure. So okay, and if you if it's, you it's, I mean look, consider for a moment that the Sasquatch does exist uh, and it's pissed off and it decides it wants to chase you out. Like people have said, it has done to them. Um, you know, I would be cautious. I would think about it. I would do some research, maybe what you should and should not do, because uh, you are entering the wilderness, and it's not a safe place to begin with, regardless of if this creature exists or not. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was cautious. I mean, I, I wasn't carrying a gun or anything, but I did have a, a blade with me, a hunting knife, and, you know, something, some kind of protection. Uh, but I don't right. know how I would fare against a nine-foot-tall 
uh, you know, <laughs> creature that could probably crush me with one hand. So I don't know. <laughs> no, absolutely. Now, do you think that maybe, you know, some of the elusiveness, you know, of these creatures can be attributed to, I mean, you know, um, high levels of intelligence, maybe? Any evidence yeah, of that, I, that they're, you know, really smart, you know, not just big, hairy, and dumb running around the woods scaring people? No, they, yeah, the, well, some of the men that I spoke to, especially Joe Stewart, uh, claims that they're more of like a tribe, you know, and they're very intelligent, and then they have their own language, you know, or at least a, a system of noise that they can communicate with each other. Uh, they're much more intelligent than, you know, some of the legends allow or some of the horror films allow, so... Yeah, but, you know, I mean, hey, people are sort of intelligent, and they get angry, and they throw <laughs> things, and Absolutely. they beat doors down and do other crazy things. So, you know, I would see it that way. I mean, imagine, if you will, you know, this is um, for the Industrial Revolution and, you know, before the population started to grow here in, in North America, you know, maybe these things were around a little bit more, and they started to realize these strange, you know, creatures uh, that they didn't like very much were starting to grow in number and they just retreated and didn't want anything because they knew they maybe they felt they would never fully fit in. Maybe they would, because I had read that they communicated with a lot of the Native American tribes, but they probably felt that modern man was a little too much and they took off. Uh, white smart. man bad. White yeah. man bad. White well, considering how we treated the Native <laughs> Americans, if they if they watched that, then yes, I would. Uh, that's no surprise that they have run away and they have hid. Yes, <laughs> you know, and you have to consider that as a possibility. <laughs> Absolutely, and I, I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You know, if we're going you know, to talk about this seriously, like because there are other, like I said, the, you know, there's again probably the best book on the subject of the science behind the whole thing is, is Mel, Jeff Meldrum's book. Uh, Sasquatch Legend Meets Science. And if you want to read about that, he's done incredible research, and the book is amazing. Uh, but, again, there's another aspect to this, and it's the history, the testimonies of people that have seen these things or, in, or claim to have interacted with them, this campfire story. These are all important aspects because, for the most part, and whether anyone wants to admit it or not, your very first attraction to this thing most likely was when you were younger and most likely was not you know, uh, the, the IM index or, or dermal ridges or finding the science of the thing. It was the spooky campfire stories that brought you into this. So I think that's a very important aspect to regard before we disregard it. And that, I'd like to keep that in the film. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know sure. what? You know, stories passed down through oral tradition can be, you know, very powerful. Um, and, you know, not all completely made up. So tell us about, you know, some of the ones that, you know, that you really kind of liked and resonated with that you're going to maybe use in the film or maybe not. Whatever. Tell us a good story. I'm ready. Sure. You are. Well, the Eighth Canyon story is interesting. Like I, when I was a kid, um, I think I first learned of that on uh, In Search Up with Leonard Nimoy. And really that was took place in Mount Great show. I, I watched yes. that all the time when I was a kid. Oh, excellent show. It was, I mean, that's what really probably made me, uh, you know, spark my interest for all of this stuff. That and, and the books too. I would pick up as a kid. Yeah, yeah all of us. I mean, mm. and and, it had, and the and the reason for that was its mysterious qualities. I think a lot of these shows today have turned our mysteries into these halftime shows or these little sporting events, and it's a problem because you, you what you did is you sucked all the mystery out of it. But what you're going to start seeing 
because I've been speaking with a couple of production companies lately, is that they want that back. They want to make it serious again. They want to make it spooky again. So you're going to start seeing that come back a lot because I think the whole goofy aspect of a bunch of, uh, you know, you know, people from central casting being hired to claim they're experts in a certain field, which I've seen firsthand, it's ridiculous, is going to go away. And I think we're all kind of sick of that format anyway. So storytelling is key, and if you could bring a lot of information in, uh, that's even better, you know, along with it, and science, of course, if, if you can find some, some evidence. But one of my favorite stories, and that, and that, and again, the way I've received it has evolved over the years, is the Eighth Canyon, dubbed Eighth Canyon story that occurred in Mount St. Helens in the 20s. And there were these prospectors out there, and they were walking through the woods, and apparently uh, a Sasquatch-like creature peeked at one of them through the bushes uh, as they were walking. And one of these guys, of course, his first instinct is to pick up his rifle and blow it away. So he did that, shot it, you know, and, uh, you know, claimed to have shot it in Probably the head. Probably just pissed him off. Right. Yeah. Shot it with a slug, actually. And um, the thing and apparently sus- fell and off. It, it the- said, ouch. Um, yeah. Well, it fell off the precipice and, and died. So these guys go back to the cabin later at night. I think they start to pass out or go to sleep. And I was kind of adapting that general scenario. Uh, You saw a couple of clips in the trailer of that. But they're sleeping, and four or five of these things attack the cabin, uh, start hitting it with boulders and rocks, actually dropped a rock through the top of the cabin and fell on one of the guys and knocked them out cold. And that's a really, I mean, that's a fantastic story because when it was first told, these guys were portraying it like they were just kind of, you know, uh, aimlessly attacked by these mountain gorillas, as they called them, uh, you know, at the time, you know, these, these, you know, mountain devils or, you know, there was a legend of these mountain devils. But later, you know, later when, when the uh, coin, you know, coin term Bigfoot was coined, um, people started to realize this was a Sasquatch. Um, so what happened was I think it started to unfold later on that these guys these guys, the men, the prospectors, were the aggressors. They shot first, and I feel like rightfully so. These things came after them because they killed one of them, you know. Uh, so it's not like and, – and the way they handled it was almost like people would or almost like mountain men would. You know, they're coming down to kind of drive these guys out. And that still they were less aggressive. And so there was this 12-hour siege where these gentlemen were – shooting through the holes in the walls and through the ceiling to get these creatures yeah, off of the camera. I could have sworn I saw some reenactment of that story. Uh, That's what I thought when I was like TV a little show. kid. And like it was like an old show and the guy was on a toilet and the bear and they started throwing the things at the cabinet and he ran off and it was like a reenactment thing. But that was a long time ago. Yeah, it, been some totally yeah, it, it was covered a couple of times. But again, mm-hmm. it's like I already picked a saturated subject of Bigfoot. The reason why I'm calling the movie Bigfoot is because I want to make the definitive version, the one that you're going to revisit, the one that you're going to watch in 20 years from now. I'm going to work really hard to make this thing worth it, you know. Um, And the the production company I'm working with right now that's trying to uh, develop the Montauk Chronicle spinoff into a show saw the trailer the other day and they asked me if I'd be interested in maybe expanding it outside of one movie, making it longer, maybe a four or five part miniseries, and they would be interested. So I consider that as long as I still have control over it, because there's so much that maybe I couldn't fit it into a two-hour movie. Maybe it, 
could lend to a, a series, you know. So, right. but if it's just as long as I can do it the way I want to, uh, absolutely. That, you know, the, the idea is to not repeat and not keep this thing old. You know, sometimes we have subject matter. Yes, it's been done to death, but has it ever been done right? And so, yep. if it hasn't been done right, what you're going to have is something that feels very fresh, even though it's a subject matter you're familiar with. You're exactly right. Yeah. I'm yep. very excited to see that. I think that could be very interesting, turning it into a show, because you're right. There is, a, I mean, you just the science, I'm sure you could do a couple episodes just on the science of it, um, you know, oh, and then sure. mixing in with, the, you know, with all the, the folklore and the stories that everybody has. And so <clears throat> I want to open, we're having some great interaction in the chat room. So I want to go ahead. Do you, uh, Chris, are you okay with taking callers? Sure. Awesome. We're going to open up the phone line. So if you want to ask Chris a question, the number to call is 786-245-8127. That is the call-in number, 786-245-8127. Did I say it slow enough, other guy? Yes, you did. I think I so. I did. Thank you. I did. I think, okay, just yeah, making sure. I did it. I did. I did it. So Thanks awesome. for double checking. You know. No problem. No problem. Right. That's how we roll. <laughs> That's how we roll. No problem. You roll I, like a tumbleweed. I I do actually. That I am that tiny that I would roll like a tumbleweed. Back to topic. <laughs> so. Chris, I, I, I swear, I, I want to hear some more about, you know, some of the eyewitness accounts. Um, you know, do you have any, any recent ones and anything, you know, maybe within the last couple of years that, that stuck out to you as, you know, as particularly interesting? Well, again, you know, there's similarities between a lot of these stories. Um, you know, Joe Stewart was telling me uh, some stories and one, but there's one, there's one in particular. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it that there was this huge forest fire and apparently something came running out of the forest on fire. So the story goes that, um, you know, the medical crew helped put this thing out. Uh, it looked like a you know very tall man. They put it out and then realized it wasn't human. And then it said that there, you know, a, a car pulled up, took the thing away, unmarked van and took it away from the medical unit and, told them not to talk about it. So now wow. apparently these people are talking about it. It's an interesting story. That again, is interesting. Like, and, you know, that makes a lot of sense that if there would any be any uh, population of them going away, would be a forest fire, Chris, would be something like yeah, that. Wait a minute. Really wait a minute. Was, wasn't it also part of the story that the government brought out some type of a translator or something that actually had the ability to speak to him and it was an old Indian or something? I didn't hear that part, but I, I, I'll, I, if you can find some I've, information, I've, I'm I've happy heard, to read it. I've heard about this story before that a that a fire jump team actually had thought it was a guy burning, and it turned out to be a Sasquatch, I guess. Um, sure, it could be you the know, same, yeah. same tale. You know, yeah, third no, I, I'm happy to hear there about were third it. There's degree so many burns. older stories that oh, – I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, this is a story someone had told me about that happened somewhere in the 50s. There was a major brush fire, um, and uh, they, they, the thing was on fire. They put it out. It was wounded badly, third-degree burns. Um, one of the forest rangers called someone in the well, Fish and Wildlife, and government men showed up. I don't know if it was men in black or what, but they had a translator with them, and the, it, they were communicating back and forth with the Sasquatch in some way, and they 
picked him up and took him away. And uh, there was – there were uh, – you know, Probably it, a bad it, day for that Sasquatch. Well, it had said it – I wonder who they were using to to do the transferring the language. Was it Bubbles a Chimp or anything? Just saying. I'm sorry. No, no. Oh, I, my God. That's know. horrible. It, it, no, no. <laughs> I'm, from my understanding, it was a Native American. Oh, uh, hang on, we've got a we've got a caller, guys, that I want to add to seven one nine. You are live with Skywatchers Radio. Say hi. Good evening, Miss Crystal. This is Kevin, Colorado Springs. And before I start, my best angel and his family. Absolutely. Um, thank you for doing that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for calling. How are you? I'm doing fine. I wanted to ask Chris. Chris, I'm in Colorado Springs. Yes. Back about around 97 or so, there was a man that had died. Shortly before he died, he said that he had faked the whole Bigfoot phenomenon out here. When he died, his family, there was a whole newspaper write-up about it. Family showed what he had used, the suit, the foot, the Bigfoot that he had used to make tracks. Are you aware of who I'm talking about and what I'm talking about? I believe I am. Yeah, and you know what? That's probably a true story. He probably did hoax it around that particular area. But we have areas all over the country and all over the world where other people have seen these things. So, again, you know, some of the gentlemen that have hoaxed it uh, may have, you know, but they didn't pull it off in all these places throughout history and throughout the world. No, they didn't, but this was a pretty elaborate hoax that this guy had carried on for years. And I'm just wondering if you included that in your documentary, uh, just for the simple reason that I think, you know, if it's going to be an honest uh, documentary, um, you need to talk about some of the hoaxes, some of the more elaborate ones. I, I, I absolutely agree with you, and that will be part of it for sure. I mean, mm. if it ends up becoming the, the miniseries, uh, then we'll, we'll, you know, I think it, it lends to a full episode, The Hoaxes. But to fit in a two-hour movie, I, I'm going to have to regard it in some way. So, uh, for sure, and I agree with you. It's actually a great, great question. Well, that's all I had. I just wanted to make sure it was included, because I never can think of the man's name. I'm blind now, but I remember reading the article and being a little bit amazed at the uh, the elaborateness to which this guy went to pull it off for so many years, and it's just always stuck with me, you know, that some people will go to the lengths they do to pull off a hoax, and, you know, um, you talked about in the beginning hair samples and some of the evidence for Bigfoot. I've heard of people collecting hair samples, but then when they turn it into whatever lab, it turns out to be a coyote or uh, whatever. You know, it never turns out to be, well, we can't tell you what this is. So maybe you could include or tell us of some of the cases where that has been proven to be something unknown or, you know, I don't know of any Bigfoot DNA that you can match my hair sample to so right to well we yeah we don't have the the bigfoot dna to match it that's the thing and also a lot of the time when people find these hair samples it's already a contaminated specimen because they're, they're touching it so you know uh, uh, yeah but i agree with you all of this stuff needs to be discussed you have to talk about the hoaxes and you must talk about the inconclusive 
evidence because it, it deserves to be talked about, of course. Very important, just as much as the, the legends and the campfire stories and the science all in one place needs to be talked about. It has to. So there's, you know, there's like a good 100 years of history that I'd like to cover in this, in this documentary, and I'm working sure. it out as to how that's all going to fit. Okay, well, thank you very much. Thank Thanks for you. calling. That was a good question. That was yes, good. it was. You know, I I was just thinking about that as well. You, you know, you you mentioned earlier the story about the you know the Sasquatch that got shot and you know and fell off the precipice, and there has to have been more that I think that would have been wounded or something has happened to them, and it's almost like has no one found a dead one or well, have you found an elephant or? graveyard yet? Sure. Has, any, found an has anybody graveyard yet? Yeah, has anybody found an elephant graveyard yet? No. Have we? Oh. No. Oh. Well, there you go. Think about that. Yeah. No, I'm not yeah, ponder there, that there are different theories. You know, the the soil in the forest is much more acidic. Things don't stick around for too long. You know, carcasses uh, go away very quickly. The mm-hmm. environment. Uh, so, uh, you know, and and again, they. They have a way, they have a different intelligence, like you were discussing earlier. Uh, Their domains and their habitat is probably in an inaccessible place for most of us. Uh, And I don't know if any serious trackers have spent enough time out there to find them yet, uh, to tell you the truth. I think a lot of the people that go on these expeditions aren't spending enough time looking for them, but I think we're really on the verge of someone is going to find something if they haven't already and they're just holding on to it, waiting for the right moment. I have a good feeling about this year and next year for some reason, just the things I've been reading, and then they have that um, Brian Sykes book is coming out where he uh, claims to have uh, conclusive evidence uh, regarding a a later species of Neanderthal, Uh, and this was a story of a way back with a story that was... uh, these are descendants of a, a female who was brought into, you know, population, held captive, and she was somewhat described as uh, Sasquatch-like. But there's a whole book coming out about this uh, in March. I'm really interested in reading uh, by this professor of uh, Oxford University. So a lot of, you know, a lot of serious people like Jeff Meldrum and this uh, uh, Dr. Sykes. All these people are really, you know, like I found. Jeff Meldrum's book in the science section of the bookstore. So uh, there is a different perspective on it now. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, um, I, I guarantee you in a few years we'll, we'll have an even better uh, idea. And the legends will be part of history. And then the science will start to come to the forefront. And once someone does prove that one of these things exists, it's going to change the whole the whole thing. It's going to change it all. And then there will be a whole new study on it. Um, hopefully we won't have a bunch of maniacs running to go and kill them. Mm. Uh, but, you know, they're I there. Just, Many people have seen them. Yeah. I was just thinking that the uh, they probably appreciate all the hoaxers because then you've got guys running around looking for the guy in the suit, and they're just leaving the actual Sasquatches alone, which is probably what they want. Yeah, very, the <laughs> you know, we, should make, we should make the Sasquatches wear the giant orange vests. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, they made yeah. they made uh, what is it? Peter Mayhew, the guy that played Chewbacca, while they were shooting uh, Return of the Jedi, he had to wear the orange vest because they were worried of hunters blowing him away. Oh my god! <laughs> that, that is that a is really a, sad discourse on humanity, right? Actually, that, <laughs> that is a 
that is a hundred percent true, actually. Yep. Um, That's really I, I, sad. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Poor Chewbacca. <laughs> I know. You know what, though? You It's very interesting to me because you're, you're actually the second guest now that we've had on that is very excited about this year and, you know, things coming to light. So that's that's very interesting. That is. Uh, yeah, well, I kind of I watched a lot of these things unfold since 06 when I was uh, making the Montauk picture because a lot of the terminology that was kind of on the fringe uh, and really not discussed outside of science fiction is now – you know, it seems to be reality. I mean, I've met so many people that, uh, I guess, the, you know, just saying in general, but what I learned to now, a lot, of, a lot of the lines between reality and fantasy are completely obliterated. You know, a lot of people are right. very open to things that were mythical or fiction as, as if they're real. Uh, so there's got to be something to that, you know. There has to be. You would definitely think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. And go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. It's, yeah, it's, no, I, I'm agreeing with you. I feel. Um, oh, I met the other Chris. I, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, know, I forgot I have two Chris's. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Well, I no, I I was I was just um, I was just going to say I, I look I look forward to to, to hooking you up with um, with uh, my one buddy here because um, he's got a lot of real good connections and he knows Les Stroud and he goes to a. Uh, a UFO, uh, kind of a Bigfoot uh, little convention here in Eugene um, once a year. I think that'd be coming up or something, up in, in like maybe the summertime or something. And and also, I have a little bit of something I wanted to, we can talk about here maybe after I wanted to talk to you. I'd send you a message maybe on, uh, uh, you didn't maybe get or whatever on Facebook a while back when I, um, but this is something a little bit on the Bigfoot thing that I have. Uh, the show that I watched when I was a kid on a, on a show they had called Town Hall here in Oregon. And it came on every Sunday. It was just a show that was, that was shown here and just out of a, uh, a local thing. But they did, uh, I guess it probably was in 1988, I would say. I was, uh, junior in high school. And they had had one on, on, on a Bigfoot. My dad was always, he always watched that every, Every night, and when they had that on Bigfoot, and it was about the debunking thing, and they showed the gentleman because I just watched the video. It was we were talking about the other day of the guy that supposedly said uh, that was in the suit. Well, they showed the guy because yeah. it had been years later, and when I watched it, it was a lot older of a videotape. Well, there was a lot of things that were said uh, that actually the lady that they were talking about, not to get in too big of depth. Uh, a lot of said about that Patterson case that that could come out to to blow it wide open, and um, ultimately I can get the video of the show, um, the the gal there at, at KGW here um, in town can get it. It costs a little bit of money to go back for a locating fee, she said, to get it, but they still have it, and it is um, rare. It's rare. Like I say, it's 1988. Nobody's seen it. Um, the issue of it is, uh, Chris, it just costs money rounding it up. But um, yeah, I would love to talk I'd, to you like more to about that. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. No, I think you're referring to Bob Hieronymus. Like, he uh, he does claim he was the guy in the suit. My question is, he came out so many years later, and there was, like, a Bigfoot fever in the 70s when Roger Patterson... The show actually was, was talking to around. a woman. This was talking to a woman. Oh, a woman, and, okay. A woman. And she, and she even okay. said about how he had gotten, if I remember correctly... 
but if I uh, that she that he had gotten a suit from from a a movie producer. And, okay, I uh, heard that story too. And now, now this you is know going John back Landis, the filmmaker. Right, right. You know John Landis, the filmmaker. Yeah. Yes. Okay, John Landis was working, and the 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 makeup artist that you're referring to is John Chambers, and he was the guy that did Planet of the Apes amongst a million other movies. And he yeah. was the great one of the greatest makeup artists who've ever lived. And there was a rumor going around that Chambers made the suit. The thing is, there's a lot of information crossing back and forth with the whole Patterson thing. Now, remember, Patterson was already making a documentary about Bigfoot, and it just so happened that when he was shooting his documentary, looking for the Sasquatch, one shows up, right? So you know, and that worked, it worked against him because he was already talking about making this doc. So I'm sure at some point he was putting a suit together to shoot reenactments, right? But maybe they yeah. didn't. You know, they didn't have it that day when this thing showed up. And the other thing was John Landis was going around telling people uh, a few years back that John Chambers, the makeup artist, uh, he knew because he worked in the same uh, offices with him that he made the suit. But what I think this was is just a series of rumors that just grew and grew and grew because I do believe that Patterson film is real. Uh, another question I have is uh, Bob Hieronymus, the guy who claims he was wearing the suit, came out so many years later why didn't he said it was mainly because he didn't get paid? Why didn't he threaten Roger Patterson uh, a, during like the Bigfoot fever time in the 70s when it was very popular and say, hey, if you don't pay me my thousand dollars now, I'm going to tell the news now. But he waited till many, many, many years later. It just doesn't make any sense. So, I don't know, there's a few inconsistencies in there. Of course, I can't say 100% that's This lady that they, film. I remember talking to, was very in-depth in what she had said. She said that beforehand, okay. he was uh, he was going around, um, I wanted to say it was his cousin or something, uh, would go and would pull him in a truck behind a, uh, Patterson, behind a, um, with a, with a big rope. And he would get the get the rope real tight, and he would take the the wooden pegs of the Bigfoot. He would always be making uh, feet, big feet all the time. I remember her saying, and he would strap it on the bottom of his feet, and then they they would pull behind the truck. So when the pull when the truck would 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 go really slow, just enough to have a, a, a tight uh, slack on, it, and it would pull him, and he could take one big step. One big long stride, and it would and it would make a heavy duty imprint imprint into the ground. And this is what this is what I remember in depth of what uh, she had uh, said on the show. And then she had went back, or like say it's been so long ago, but to go back to showing the guy in the cowboy hat with 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 the big guy with with the cowboy boots and all that, the same guy that I'd seen in the video talking about it, whatever. And I know that it was in 88, which was still years afterwards. But I would really be interested to get all, find out all that and hear what was said back in 1988 to all kind of what the little video has been coming out now and see how it all collaborates together. And then maybe, you know, I'm not here to debunk the whole thing and, and, and no, anything like that. it should be curious. challenged. Yeah. It should be challenged. But I think <clears throat> the thing that worked against Patterson the most was that he was already making this documentary about the Sasquatch, and who knows why, first of all, if he was going to hoax this thing, why was he doing all this stuff like faking prints out in the open? It was probably for reenactments. He wanted to see a print because, you know, film's a visual medium. I have to do the same shit. 
I'm sorry, you know, uh, but I have to do the same thing, but I'm not claiming the prints in the reenactment sequences are real. They're not, you know. I just have to give you a visual reference, and I'd rather not use the same still pictures that have been used over and over again. I want to make something cinematic sure. to represent that image. So, yeah. you know, if someone saw me making the print for the cinema scene, they're going to say, well, Christopher was faking a print, so this whole documentary is fake. And then they're going to go and say, look, he's faking the print. But you, it's, it's about perspective. It's like, well, I know I, I'm making the print for a reenactment. I'm not trying to tell you it was real. I'm just trying to give you a piece of cinema to represent a story. Uh, and maybe that's what he was doing, and that has to be taken into consideration. But you're right. Also, it should be considered that it's possible that he was trying to cause a big hoax. So Yeah. Now there's a, they have a they have a huge following uh, still with that case and and it is the the Roswell uh, obviously of of the Bigfoot uh, you know type of a thing and and when Gimlin's still going around at, at 80 years old or I don't know how old he is but still going around doing his thing and and so you know I mean it's if if he truly believes that he's seen something or if he's been going around just just doing that the whole entire time just so he can delusions of grandeur of his own I don't know but. Um, sure. I do believe there's a lot of people the out there that, that want talking. to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's an amazing book, and I want to cover it in the film. But there's so much to cover. But if you really want the information and the analysis, there's a book called When Roger Met Patty. It's by William Munns. Mm-hmm. It's a big book, and this guy spent a good deal of his life, William Munns, analyzing the film frame by frame, restoring it. Uh, speaking to witnesses, speaking to getting the whole history down. And William Munns is also a Hollywood makeup artist, so he was studying this as a makeup artist could make a suit. It's a great, excellent book. Uh, definitely check it out if you want to read about it. And have you seen the video of the um, the the producer or the, the guy that says that he's got on YouTube that says that he sold the suit to him? Have you ever watched that? There's just a... I got a 20-minute video or something or whatever the post a few years back. I don't know that about the guy that claims that he sold it to him. And, I saw that too, and YouTube. that might yeah. be true because Patterson mm-hmm. may have bought a parts to make yeah. a suit or a suit for his documentary. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, Chris, you, you know, are just going to have to do this as a miniseries because you've got a lot to cover. You've got your work cut out for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I can. I'm glad we hooked up, can... Chris. I'm glad yeah. We hooked up. <laughs> Yeah. No, for sure, for sure. No, it's definitely something that a, re- a quality five-part, you know, series, high quality, beautifully made, with all of its history in it, a great score, strong narrator. I'm thinking maybe uh, Tony Todd or uh, Keith David, one of those guys have these great voices, you know. Uh, and and just I want. I'm actually starting with the birth of the planet, the angry Earth you know, magma flowing and the birth of cellular life and then the evolution of man and somewhere along the second ice age, you know, something, you know, is out there and then we move forward to the Native American war. You know, we jump forward that far. But I wanted to open it up with, you know, this magnificent beginning that would lead us into the first act and kind of put you in that perspective that this thing has survived a very, very long time, you know, Uh, and no one's done that yet. So that's what I want to do. I want to do something that's different. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Chris, Christopher, what type of uh, technology are you using out there, and what kind of results are you getting? You mean me, me like personally, scientifically analyzing anything? Yes. No, I don't have – I mean I don't have I'm, – I'm not claiming to be a scientist. 
here. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm speaking to people as a filmmaker, as a documentarian, listening to their stories, capturing them on on film or on digital cards, and cutting it into something comprehensive with information for you to learn and understand the history of this of these stories and of this alleged creature and all of the things surrounding it. My personal job, if I come across something, my personal job is not first and foremost to analyze anything. There are plenty of scientists like Jeff Meldrum uh, that are doing that and have done that already, and why would I try and compete with somebody with that level of experience and education? It is not, it is not my job. But my job is to make a movie, and that's what I'm doing, and, and, and talk to these people and let them tell me and tell you what they've learned and point you in the right direction if you want to learn more. If I were to come across something, let's say a carcass or hair samples, which I did, I have some in my possession from the gentleman I met in Utah. They claim it Sasquatch hair. So I asked for a few strands, and I do have it. And actually the strand of hair that you see in the trailer, in the, in the sneak preview reel, is the alleged Sasquatch hair that I ran underneath a microscope. So I do have a high-powered microscope. I just don't personally have the education to know what the hell I'm looking at. And I can probably send some to Jeff Meldrum and ask him if uh, he would check it out. But I feel that possibly this specimen is contaminated by my hands at this time, but I'll send it to him anyway. But I have a feeling he's found his own stuff over the years, and of course, if you read his book, you know that he has. Uh, so my job is to, again, not make a, an idiosyncratic movie for the people that are in the know 100%. I want to make it for them, too. But this is for people who aren't well-versed in the subject matter and who want to experience it and understand it a little further than they already know, like many of, of the folks who believe that there's, you know, who are under the impression that there's just this one thing out there. Well, you'll learn everything through my movie. You'll learn that there's so much more. You'll learn that there's people like William Munns and Jeff Meldrum and John Green and uh, uh, Grover Krantz, who has since passed away, that are serious and that are well-educated people that have spent a good deal of their lives studying this thing. And so through this, you'll be pointed in the direction of the science that's already been determined. And again, I wouldn't exclude. If I came across something, then I'll, I will call someone and make sure we get plenty of samples and do my best to uh, achieve it. But I personally, am, I have enough camera gear and filmmaking gear to carry, and I do most of this by myself. So to carry a scientific lab with me would be very difficult. <laughs> So it's keeping in the tone with the Monsaw Chronicles, the way that you presented it. Very Same much flavor so. again. Yes, yes. Speaking of Montauk, I have to I have to ask this question. Really, you know, uh, it's you know it's been a couple years now since since you made the film, and you kind of talked earlier about how you know when you made it, it wasn't as mainstream as as you're you're seeing that it is now. So kind of you know let's. Talk about that for a second. You know, what have you kind of learned? How was the aftermath of, you know, that film coming out for you? Uh, well, it's still still happening. I, what I saw unfold in the time that I was making it was it was very obscure subject matter. You know, they were independently published books. They weren't from a major publisher. Very few people really knew about it. And then in the ensuing years, uh, more and more people were interested, and then it was being covered on TV after I had already started shooting my, you know, my movie, because I started shooting the movie in 06, I started putting trailers out in maybe 08, 07 and stuff, and then it started showing up on, 
you know, different TV shows, who, some of which were contacting me as I was making my movie and putting out the trailers. So um, I watched it become a larger, more considered story. And, of course, David Icke was someone who helped bring that idea out there, and Stuart Swerdlow, of course. Uh, you know, his expansions program got bigger. So I saw this thing grow over the years, and a lot of people, um, you know, they, they see it as another part of history, like a real thing that has happened, uh, even though we don't have 100% evidence of it. And I, my own perspective changed when I learned about associative situations like MK Ultra or the Tuskegee experiments, things that allow me to consider uh, the possibilities and how far the governments of the world, if you know your history, have gone and how horrible uh, they have behaved and why would you put it past them to do it again or to do some of the things that they uh, allegedly did at Camp Hero. So, yes, I was a huge shift in my perspective from making that film and I'm hoping to do the same with everything I make. You know, like... Uh, I'm having a great time making the, uh, the Bigfoot picture just because it's an old interest. But I'm learning a lot as I go along, and my mind is even further open to this thing, which was you know, a great campfire tale and, a, and, and close to a mythological creature in my mind growing up. Now it's uh, very much a, a, a probability and possibility. Absolutely. You're, you're breaking up just a little bit, Chris, so if you're moving, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> I know you're on a cell phone, and I know people pace when they're on a Stop. cell phone. Yeah, that's right. Don't move. That's it. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> Stay where you are. We do I have wanted to add. Yeah, well, I was jail. just going oh, to say we do have a question from, from the PSN chat, and it's, uh, it says, how does uh, he feel about the folks who want to kill one to provide proof? Mm, I don't think I know the question on that one, but. Huh. Interesting. Oh, I don't agree with anybody that just wants to go out there and kill the thing. The thing is, though, there's um, if you backtrack, and a very respected man in his field, Dr. Grover Krantz, uh, was quoted, and actually there is film of him saying that, you know, from a scientist's perspective, he wanted he he felt that one should be killed, and he said if it was close to extinction and I killed the last one, it doesn't matter anyway. Something along that measure. It was very cold kind of scientific statement. Now, if, you, if, you, if you really think about it, on one level he's making a lot of sense because sure. he's a man of science and that's what, he didn't want to just kill it just to torture something, he just wanted to kill it to say, hey, this thing is out there, this is my job as a scientist to go out and make sure I get, you know, proof that this is there so I can analyze it. I mean, don't, make no mistake, you know, there are rare species of birds and, and other creatures killed every day for the Museum of Natural History and other places for their own analysis, they do it all the time. You know, don't uh, don't think that this doesn't happen every day for other things, other creatures. But I personally feel that they should be left alone. If I if I were to find, let's just say this: if I were to personally see one or find evidence, I wouldn't come back and reveal the location uh, as to where I found it. I would probably photograph it, um, you know, uh, overhead shots, not revealing where it is just to say, hey, I found these things, take samples, but for my own personal uh, reasons, I probably wouldn't reveal where. You know, I'd do my best to not tell anybody where I found it. Just because, of course, it's going to attract a good deal of people who are just really irresponsible and, you know, want to make money. For sure. 
Good man. I feel like that is a very responsible way to do it. I really, that's cool. That is very, very cool of you. Yes. Did you learn anything while you were shooting Montauk that you can kind of apply to to the big, the, you know, to to your search for Bigfoot and and you know from absolutely from a filmmaker's perspective as well, but almost from the knowledge that you that you got, you know, you, you kind of you're going from one you know completely out there strange type of scenario, um, you know, into into another one, it, you know, it's a little different, but, you know, anything that you kind of took from Montauk that you're kind of looking around, you know, during the Bigfoot phenomenon, for example, the men in black or whoever came and grabbed that, you know, body out of the woods and just drove it away, you know, something like that. Okay, yeah, there's a couple of things, um, one of which a lot of the people that I've been talking to personally are very different than the folks you've seen in a lot of these television shows. Where I seem like, and I, and I know how this works because they're almost made into these caricatures, you know? They're forced to be that way. Very silly, very scripted. Um, but the gentlemen I've been speaking to are very intelligent. You know, have a lot of knowledge on the subject. They're serious about it. You know, it's not a joke. And so this applies to my next thing that I learned was what you need to do is, unlike a lot of these, uh, shows and the way they're conducted and again I, I shot a pilot for a big production company over the summer and you know uh, it wasn't exactly it was very scripted so in other words if you're doing something like this it's really smart to allow people to speak their minds without your heavy influence don't try and script things allow things to unfold of course show up with a plan and an idea but keep it malleable keep your mind open Stick to your guns. If you have a vision for something, stick to it. I mean, we live in an age of the, hopefully this thing is dying off soon, but the Internet troll loves to be an expert on everything. You cannot allow these people to sway you or change your mind. You need to never second-guess yourself. If you have a solid idea, go out and execute it. That's how we make good things in the world. If everybody did it the way everyone else said you should do it, then we would have nothing good. So if you have an idea, roll with it and then keep it open. You know, I've learned all of these things along the way. Keep things organic. Allow things to happen. And be ready to, to capture them and be, have a good eye and a good ear, you know, when someone is saying something interesting or, or being sincere. And the other thing is this. If you're interviewing people, you know, for a documentary, what I've learned is if you're serious and you're sincere and you allow people to trust you and you trust them, They'll be a reflection of your own personality. If you're making them feel uncomfortable, then they're going to freeze up and they're not going to give you anything good. But if, if you talk to them on a human level, down to earth, sit with them, spend some time with them, respect them, these people will open up and give you things that you probably wouldn't get if you were with the normal TV crew. So that's what I've learned. That is very good advice. Sure. All you little documentary makers out there, listen to Chris. There you go. you got to do it that way. <laughs> That's the way you're supposed to do it. That's fantastic. So um, have you been in touch with any of the uh, – kind of going back to Montauk here for a second. Have you been in touch with any of the gentlemen from Montauk since you, since you made the film, or did you kind of like, that was a spooky experience, I'm glad that it happened, and I'm done? Oh, no. I have – I actually have shot scenes for the next – uh, Montauk movie, which I'm probably most likely going to incorporate into this show that I'm developing with this really good production company. 
Um, they uh, they made a, a great program for History Channel that was that aired in uh, October, and they're interested in working with me on something. So I uh, I'm happy to do it because they're they're good guys and uh, they have a great idea uh, based off of what they saw in my film. And so yes, I've spoken to Preston since then, and I'm actually uh, depending on the weather meeting with uh, Stuart Swerdlow tomorrow. So you know, yeah, it's very much an ongoing uh, relationship. Of course, Alfred Bielek died, so you know, he's, uh, you can't reach him. But um, yeah, I, you know, and, and I'm interested in continuing and, and doing more on that. And I have some information that might be uh, really important to talk about, and I'm going to pursue it. But I really needed a break from the montage stuff after nine years, man. You know, you you want to, yeah, you, know, you really need to step away from it. <laughs> yeah. I bet. I bet, I bet. Can uh, so you're talking about your new? Do we get any spoilers, or is it all is it all hush hush until you uh, until you get started on it? For the show, I can tell mm-hmm. you a little bit. the The ideas are, um, for the most part, we would start with the nucleus, which is what was covered in the in the in the movie, and branch off from there on a like subject matter that is related to that type of program. And we would further and, – and the, the other thing is this, and I've discussed this with my fellow producers because I'm signed on as an executive producer to the show, is that um, we're going to keep it serious, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very different than conspiracy theory with Jesse Ventura, you know. It's not going to be like you – know, no offense to anybody, but I, I like the idea of bringing those ideas into the consciousness, uh, uh, you know, the public consciousness and everything, but – for some reason, it just felt so rigid and so scripted, you know, kind of silly. So mm-hmm. why, why don't we keep it serious? Why, and the, the way you do that is you let things flow. You let people talk. And so some of these, um, some of the, the forensic shows or some of the shows regarding, uh, you know, murders or homicides, they're done very well. And so imagine, if you will, a conspiratorial or a paranormal show um, done in that way which hasn't really been done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's going to be the new format you're going to see anyway, because if we make this thing, and it does well, and I believe it will, every network will follow suit and try and make their own version, because that's the way they work. You know, They'll see one thing. If it's a success, then everyone's going to copy it. So most likely in the next couple of years, you're going to see a much more serious approach, which is what we need anyway, to the, to the paranormal, to conspiracies, and to a lot of these ideas, crypto zoological findings and so on and so forth. And I think that's the, the next the progression in this thing, which is great. I'd love to be a part of it. Absolutely. That sounds exciting. And I like, yeah. I like that idea. I mean, you watch a lot of these, you know, reality shows, you know, about this sort of thing. And it's really hard to get into them just because, you know, the narrator is so freaking dramatic and they're always spitting it one way. It's always, you know, death and destruction or something else rather. So I like the idea of at least, you know, the way you did, you know, kind of Montauk, just telling the story and letting it unfold, but doing it with a sense of respect to the people that you're talking to and to the subject matter, taking it seriously. I like that. Yeah, sure. And, you know, I'll get better as I go along, too. I mean, Montauk was pretty much my first film. I only made one thing before that. And, and again, people have to understand, I, I am not at this time, and especially when I was making Montauk, some kind of huge production company. What you saw was, for the most part, outside of the reenactments, with a little bit of help on that, and, of course, the great people that were in it, uh, was me and a backpack and a tripod. That's it, baby. That was it. 
That's what made that Gor- movie, you know. Guerrilla filming, you know, guerrilla yeah. director. Yeah, there was no, yeah. you know, there's no silver spoon here. It's a guy who spent years not getting paid and spending all of his time and cash in what he saw. So I like it. That is a that is a serious serious dedication. So uh, no, no worries. The Men in Black are going to come get you if you if you go back into this uh, <laughs> this particular I have topic. Something to say about okay. I have something to say about this now. The Men in Black thing I think might occur. They might send people out on very particular things, like really severe things. But I, a lot of people have talked of something of psychic attack, and it does exist in a way. I feel, and I think the problem is if you feel like you're 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 having this situation happen to you, a lot of what it is is you're allowing it. So much like a voodoo curse or something like that, you're the bridge for that psychic attack. The idea is because a psychic attack happens a couple of different ways. One of which is that you're not aware of it, right? The other one is that you're aware of it, and now you're putting all this effort into prepare to fight it. My suggestion is if you feel like these things are happening to you, uh, you need to, once you're aware of it, you need to dismiss it, turn it into a joke, come back to earth, and forget about it. Because that's the way you need to just keep your mind out of it. The more you focus on it, the worse it's going to get. So I would say don't constantly put up defense uh, systems against it because you might be strengthening the problem. And the people that are listening to me right now that understand what I'm talking about, they know what I'm talking about. So what you need to do is um, retract that, forget about it, come back to Earth, and don't believe in it anymore, and it won't affect you. That's interesting. So I, I like I like that you that you kind of went there with the psychic attack. Did you feel something like that happen to you while you were shooting Montauk? That you kind of yes. uh-huh. now yeah, while you were remember, at Camp Hero afterwards, that I had to right? Both because I was a guy who, you know, okay, like. I, John Carpenter, one of my favorite filmmakers to this day, incredible, and especially when I was younger, you know. And so, I, I love the movie They sure. Live. Uh, and um, I love yeah. the. Uh, wasn't it, didn't he do the thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's right. He, 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 amazing guy. He made Starman. All these ideas, sure. right? You know, uh, incredible ideas in his film. And so I grew up watching those movies, and then I end up at Al Bielik's place, and Al Bielik is basically telling me that everything that happened in They Live is true. And so it makes you think, like, because I went from being obsessed with science fiction and horror and paranormal stories and legends to being told now that all of these things are real. So once that starts to set in your mind, then I'm told about the psychic attacks thing. And then that started to grow and germinate in my mind over a course of time. And after being immersed in the subject matter and, and, and my head being filled with all of this stuff, I really believe okay, that I was susceptible to nonstop mind control and programming, which very well may be true. But if you spend all day long trying to fight this thing, what you're doing is inadvertently strengthening it and becoming aware of it on a constant basis, which is going to work against you. So the idea is if it didn't affect you before you were aware of it, now that you're aware of it, put it away. Put it in, lock it up, and move on, and you won't be affected by it anymore. You have to basically laugh it off because my opinion is anybody that's attacking you covertly is a spiritual loser. So a spiritual loser can't get to you 
if you recognize it for what it is, you'll take its power away. And and that's the frame of mind that I put myself in. And instantly, um, within an hour, you know, the feelings of nearly wanting to jump off a bridge, and I'm not kidding, went away. Oof, you just right. change your frame, frame of mind. I like that. I think there's a lot of truth in what you said. Um there's this I don't remember the name of the movie. It had Kate Hudson in it. And it's a uh, it's an amazing something <laughs> I would amazing is a hard word. Uh but it's a really great movie because it talks about what you just said, believing in it. I mean, it you know, she goes to investigate this thing and these two people who are basically, you know, they're using voodoo to steal people's bodies for lack of a better word, but they needed her. And the problem with the movie is they need her to believe. So the more she investigates this, the more she starts I to believe. I need her it. serpent in the rainbow. No, it's a different – it's something about a key. I, I, I don't remember the name of it, but it, I, that's yeah. what always no, stuck I, out with me about the movie was because, you know, at first she had – you know, she didn't believe in this at all, and she wasn't susceptible to it. They couldn't mess with her, so they had to draw her into it, and the more she started believing in it, and that's when they got her. So it doesn't end well. It's a great movie. <laughs> and that's how it works, that same way. And, and in the movie you're discussing Kate Hudson and in Serpent in the Rainbow, <laughs> it's the same concept. You know, out in Haiti – Voodoo uh, is a very real thing, and people are terrified of it. But if you believe in it, just like you were saying, you're the bridge. You're the catalyst that's strengthening it. And what you have to do, and it might be a little complicated, but might also work instantaneous, is to not believe in it. But be aware that it's there, and now take its power away. And I think outside of, you know, for some people, a lot of the, the, the New Age practices and a lot of exercises really do work for them. But I think for others, what they're doing is even more detrimental is because they're strengthening the problem because they're always focused on having to defend themselves. Now, would you have to spend so much time to defend yourself to a weak enemy? No, you wouldn't. So the idea is, why do I have to spend all this time putting an arsenal together against a weakling? I don't. I just laugh at it. That's it. It's over. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love that. There are very basic shielding techniques you could do, but you're absolutely right. You just yeah. you take its power away. You don't focus on it. You don't You don't have yeah. to. And if those shielding techniques work for you, use them. But if, absolutely. If, if but even then, you're not, then... Yeah, you're not focusing on it. It's just you put it up and you go about your merry way. You do a cleansing yeah. every once in a while, and that's it. It's not It's not this thing. You don't focus on it 24-7. You just, that's, yes, that's, and I, I respect all the shielding techniques. I really do. I, I just I think for some people, you know, just like, you know, some medicines, they don't work for them. Absolutely. It's just not within their frequency. Absolutely. It is. That's a personal thing. That's not it's it's not a one size fits all, especially for that sort of thing. But there I think there like you said, there are some basic underlying principles that you can follow and then kind of tailor it um to whatever's yeah. gonna work for you. Definitely. Very Chris, much. we are almost out of I swear we could talk for another hour, but we're almost out of time here. So please tell everybody when is Bigfoot coming out? When it does come out, where can they find it? Where can they talk to you? Just plug the heck out of yourself. Go. Uh, You can email me from MontaukChronicles.com, and Bigfoot, I feel, I'm very confident because I've gotten so much done in such a short period of time already, and we're moving very fast, and it's not Montauk Chronicles, it was a different thing, it it had its reasons for why it took so long, but this is different, this is moving very quickly and and beautifully, Uh, I think I could have it ready for October, for sure. Uh, so I'll keep everybody posted on that. I have a I have a Bigfoot um, Facebook that you can check out, and I bought uh, MonsterChronicles.net recently, which is going up. But you can email me from MontauchChronicles.com, and if you haven't seen my film, check it out if you get a chance. Absolutely. 
Chris, thank you so much for chatting with us again. We would love to have you back when Bigfoot comes yeah, it was out. Yeah, great listening to you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to copy. Thank you so much, everybody. Oh, of course. Thank you. Great. All right, Chris, we'll talk to you soon, and good luck with everything. Thank you. Take care, everybody. That was Chris. What do we think, guys? How do we feel about it? I thought that was awesome. I think yeah. it was an interesting, interesting. Even though I didn't throw in that much, I found him fascinating. Nope. Utterly, incredibly fascinating. Yes. I think so too. I like talking to Chris. He's a cool dude. He's, He's cool. Very cool. So, Mr. Brown, how do you feel about Bigfoot now? I well, you know what? I'm always <laughs> in skeptical <laughs> mode on Bigfoot, but you know what? I really like Chris, ah, Christopher. I think he's a great guy, and 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 ultimately, I wish him the best on his Bigfoot film, and I hope that it's everything that he knows that it's going to be, and I think it is going to be because uh, it certainly sounds like he's got it down and he's got confidence, and yeah. those two things are the key. So. Yeah. I really like his approach to it as yep. well, so I think that's gonna that that that's really important. It's it's nice to see people taking these topics super seriously. And I'll be able to the help way we him. do. Hopefully, it needs I'll be, be able taken to help. seriously. Yeah. You know, cryptozoology does need to be taken seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when we're trying to find scientific evidence of something. Like you know, guys, you know, watch one episode of CSI. And you know, not to t don't touch it. Don't touch it. Stop it. <laughs> Right. Everybody knows how to touch. Everybody, it's 2016. Everybody now should know how to bag and tag something. Come on, guys. <laughs> There's like a million YouTube videos. We, everybody yeah. knows should know how to do that by now. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Danny. Who we got next week? But now spot see. you next week. Uh, I believe we have uh, flat Earth. Theory next week. The oh, with Ooh, the that's going to be a fun one. Oh, I, snap. I believe. I believe. Uh, we'll double check we the so. schedule. Yep. Why do we never know? Why do we never know what's going on next week? <laughs> we, the best part about this is we've made the Facebook events into like the middle of March. And then yeah. we get on and then we don't ever. Okay, whatever. Just no. go to our Facebook page and y'all can find out who's coming up next. We, we've got um, Nancy, her last name is very difficult. Uh, do. Dutri, 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 That is her. Get it right. Okay, we've got Nancy Dutri next week. Um, oh, I do want to give a shout. Want to really thank um, John, who was kind enough to reschedule. We're going to have him on in March. I am super stoked to talk about him. He's a fellow author. So if, if you're listening, John, thank you so much for rescheduling. So we'll see you March seventeenth next week. We've got Wendy. That's it. I think that we're good. What do you think, other guy? Are we good? I think that's fine. Yeah. Okay, good. good. Okay, good. other guy, take us out. End the show. Say something profound. Ladies and gentlemen, if it's a penny for your thoughts, why do you always have to put your two cents in? Chingling.